All right, welcome to RVing Dads. This is Todd Muller, sitting next to my partner here. Dustin Dinkins. And thanks for listening. Uh, we are starting Season 2, Episode 9 tonight to talk about batteries. All about RV batteries. Yep, so we'll, we'll get into why they're important, what you need to know about them, uh, if you need to replace them, or what to do with them. Yeah, and of course, it's a nice evening here. It's dark. It's starting to rain. We just had an ice cream social with some other families in the in the local park. And now we're sipping on some bourbon and old fashions made by a, another dad here. Thanks, Fred. Absolutely. All right, so this episode of RVing Dads is brought to you by bestrvforme.com. Uh, best RV for me, and that is B E S T R V F O R M E dot com. Uh, your source for determining what's the best RV for you and your family. Uh, still in beta, and I think you can get on there and you can sign up for beta access. Um, also, you can sign up for uh, information if you're interested in advertising with them. So, check it out. And we have another new sponsor uh, for this episode uh, Full Timer Base Camps which is a collection of RVing base camps for full-timers like you and I, Todd. So that sounds very cool. I'm very interested in that. I, I don't know a lot of the details yet about their program, but uh, it's something that I know I'm looking forward to. Yeah, check out their website. It's fulltimerbasecamps.com. So F-U-L-L-T-I-M-E-R-B-A-S-E-C-A-M-P-S.com. That's a lot of letters. <laughs> Fulltimerbasecamps.com. Check it out. Pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, I was looking forward to correcting you there, but you, you got it right. <laughs> so today's episode, we're going to talk all about batteries. Uh, what, are, what are batteries? Why are they important for RVs? Uh, and some good recommendations. But we have a guest speaker with us today. We have uh, Mr. Ben Brantley, who is a full-time RVing dad. So uh, welcome, Ben. Hey, guys. Great to be here. What an honor. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about your family. Well, I have a wife and nine-year-old. We've been traveling on the road for a little over three years now. And what type of RV do you travel with? We have a Class A motorhome, and um, we love it. And it's a nice motorhome, too. I've, I've, had a, I've had a tour. It's heavy, so we tend to break things <laughs> along the way. But... Um, wouldn't trade it for anything so far. It's been, it's been a good machine. Perfect. So, Todd, why are we talking about batteries? So, that's a good question, Dustin. Because <laughs> I guess in, in planning for this podcast, we've decided to talk about batteries. Yeah. But, uh, so, for, for most RVs, batteries are really important. There's a lot of things that, will f- that function off of batteries. Uh, everything from lights inside to landing gear to... Um, your refrigerator will run off your batteries. So you have to have a good set in there. Uh, what would happen if you didn't have a battery in an RV? So without batteries, you'd basically be tent camping. Uh, get into an RV site, your, uh, your landing gear wouldn't come down, your refrigerator would be warm, you wouldn't have any lights, uh, you'd have a, a big box on wheels. Oh, that seems quite depressing for a full-timer <laughs> after a long day travel. Yes, yes it is. So, you know, one thing to point out here is when you're hooked up to um, shore power, electric, uh, you do have power, and it's usually coming from a, a converter, right, or, or something that's generating 12 volt. So you would, have, you would be able to plug in and do what you need to do, but as soon as your, your shore power went away, you'd, you'd have nothing. Well, maybe that's an important distinction, Todd, is, is to call it there's actually two electrical systems on, on, on most RVs, right? So you have a an alternating current, an AC side, and you have a, a direct current, a DC side. And so the DC side is powered by the battery, and the AC side would be powered from a generator or a campground. Right. And so the importance that we're talking about is on the DC side having that battery um, to power everything. And that can be confusing, so I just wanted to call that out. Yep. No, that's a good point. And, of course, when you say AC-DC, you have to think of the band as well, right? <laughs> well, the other common nomenclature would be that the DC is typically at 12 volts, which is pretty small and very hard to hurt yourself. And the AC, of course, is at 120 in the US. And so sometimes you say the low voltage system and the high voltage system. 
that would be uh, another way to think of it, especially when you're about to put your finger in the socket. So <laughs> whether it's low or high. Right. Okay. So, uh, and this question is for either Dustin or Ben. Um, how many batteries do you need? Oh, how long is a piece oh. of string? <laughs> how many kids do you need? Right. Right. So, so this is this is the the big question of batteries. Um, most RVs, when you buy them, they probably come with one, and it's probably a a regular car battery. Uh, Absolutely. My my answer would be pretty simplistic, Todd. It's um, it depends on how long you want to go without external power, right? So that battery is just a storage device. So if you're going to camp in the middle of a field with no other power source, the more batteries you have, the longer you can have power in that, in that desolate location. Um, so I don't have a number on the number of batteries, um, but I will say more is better. Right. And, and to kind of follow up on what you're saying there, so let's take that scenario. You're in the middle of the woods, you're camping, uh, you have no shore power. Um, there are ways to make your batteries last longer and to, to, to uh, be able to stay out there camping without shore power. Well, on generator, of course, everyone's got a generator. Right, so you can use a generator to charge your batteries, and what's the other big one everyone has? Solar, of course. Yeah, solar's the big one. Yeah, solar or generator seems like the two obvious uh, alternative power sources in an RV. Okay. So, how many batteries do you have, Todd? I actually have five batteries. Five batteries. That's an odd number. It is an odd number, but uh, long story short, I, I purchased two batteries, uh, and then uh, I was gifted three batteries uh, from from actually from x-ray machines that came out of a uh, portable x-ray machine. So that's why I have five. Nice. That's pretty cool. I happen to have four batteries, uh, in my RV and a little different configuration. So your batteries are 12 volt batteries, right Todd? Correct. So my batteries are 12 volt. They run just like a car battery. They are deep cycles, So they're a little bit different, uh, where a car battery, uh, is made to start a car engine and then it pretty much just gets charged by the, the alternator in the car. And that's about all it does. Uh, where my batteries are deep cycle, meaning that they are made to be drained and they can hold uh, uh, the charge longer than a typical car battery, but uh, they look just like car batteries. Nice. My batteries are just a little different. They're a, a little uh, more durable, I'll say. Um, they're just another type of deep cycle battery um, meant for solar systems, but they're six volt batteries. So I need two of those six volt batteries put together in, in, a, in a series configuration to get 12 volts. Um, so my configuration is a little different than yours, Todd, but uh, at the end of the day, we probably have a pretty similar uh, total bank of, of, of power. And you know, one of the ways that is common to talk about how much energy we can hold in those batteries or how big the bucket is, if you want to think of it that way, is to just describe it as amp hours. Um, so at 12 volts, how many amp hours do you have? And I'm curious in both of your configurations, if you know what that number is roughly offhand? I actually don't know. Uh, the As I mentioned, three of my batteries came out of uh, portable x-ray machines, um, and they are not labeled. Uh, the person who gave them to me did not tell me what how many amp hours they have, so uh, I, I have no idea. Let's but it's obviously enough. Yes, but it's enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and mine are still have labels, thankfully. So I have uh, 800 amp hours at... 12 volts. Wow, that's a lot of amp hours. Yeah, and it works really good for my family, uh, and we boondock, boondock for uh, very successfully. But I do have solar to help recharge those batteries as needed. So just to maybe make it a little less confusing, so you have 800 amp hours. Mm -hmm. um, can, can any of you, either of you describe, what? say for example, let's say you're running uh, a 12 volt light, just a, just a regular single bulb, how long is that that run, one single bulb going to run on that 800 amp hours? That's a good example. Because um, if you take a little LED, um, you know, they're super efficient. At 12 volts, they might only use a half an amp or even less. So let's just say a half an amp. Well, in theory, if you had 800 amp hours, that's 800 amps for one hour or one amp for 800 hours or anything in between. But in this case, it would just be a half an amp. And in theory, you could go, gosh, over a thousand hours on that yeah. one light. Yeah, a long time. But <laughs> all these batteries we're talking about, they don't actually like to be discharged all the way. It makes them unhappy. It <laughs> uses them up much faster than they were designed. Right. And so with your deep cycle batteries, um, you really want to keep them in the top half of their capacity. 
So Dustin, you have 800 amp hours, but when we talk about real life, we would say, but you can probably only safely use about half of that yeah, on a regular basis. Exactly. Yeah, Ben, I, I only use about 400 or about half of that capacity. So I have 400 amp hours of usable capacity out of my 800 amp hour uh, bank. So what about like a typical RV fridge? What would the demands be if we wanted to run that on electric? That's a great question. As I scratch my head. Yeah, and that will even get more confusing if you have an RV refrigerator. Mine runs on propane, so if I'm not plugged into the shore, it's running on propane. Oh, yeah. There is a 12-volt. There is a charge from the 12-volt as well, but uh, my guess would be not, not a lot of battery power being used by that fridge. Yeah, I have a residential fridge in, in mine, so I'll typically see when it's running, um, I might be drawing 4 amps um, from, mm -hmm. from my batteries. So uh, I could, in theory, if I had 400 amp-hour capacity, and my fridge was taking four amps, I could run for 100 hours. Before it's time to recharge. Before it's time to recharge, right? I, I, yeah. I tend not to do that, but um, fridges have a duty cycle, so it's only gonna run half of the time or a quarter of the time, so in theory, I could have a little bit more time than that. And not only do you not wanna discharge your battery below 50% just because it's gonna damage it, um, you know, I like to use that last 50% to start my generator so I can charge my batteries uh, back up. <laughs> Point. So how about you, Ben? How many do you know how many amp hours you have in your your current RV? Yeah. Um, so we have our our battery is a little bit different. Um, uh, we built our battery from scratch, and so it's assembled out of gosh, nearly a hundred small cells that are all hooked together. Um, it kind of looks like a science project in there, but um, it probably works out to some somewhere around. 3,500 amp hours wow. <laughs> um, of usable capacity. Um, and so the lead acid equivalent would be maybe more like 7,000 amp hours. But we have an unusually large battery. And the motivation for that was, well, we have a lot of demands and we wanted to run even some residential appliances um, using an inverter. And so we... Um, we're not shy about using electricity, and uh, we just kind of designed for it to feel like a regular house. Um, it's pretty incredible. So I, I've had the luxury of, of touring Ben's system, and it's quite futuristic. Um, and I would dare say probably the largest battery bank I've seen in an RV uh, to date. Did you have any... Um, any key drivers in, in, in building that, Ben? Yeah, we wanted to build the largest RV battery in the world. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> actually, we had a bay where our older lead-acid batteries were, and I knew we wanted to switch to lithium because that's the hot new thing, not just because it's the hot new thing, but because uh, it performs better in a bunch of ways, which we'll talk about maybe later on this episode. But... The real constraint was how many of those lithium dudes could I squeeze into that same bay because that's the space we had. So I just squeezed them in there like 3D Tetris until the whole thing was full, and that's how much battery we, we rolled away with. So, so to put this in, in layman terms, if we look at our, our battery uh, batteries for the, the three of us, I'm driving a, a Chevy Cobalt. Uh, Dustin's driving a Mercedes, and Ben's driving three Ferraris. I, you were gonna say, I was hoping you were going to say Tesla. Oh, and right, I could say, yeah. actually, it's a half a Tesla battery, which oh. is about what we have, half a Tesla yeah. pack. Yeah. I want to drive okay. a Jeep. <laughs> I think I'd rather just have a bicycle at this point, to be honest. Electric bike, though. Oh, yeah, one, okay, fine. One, one thing you said there, and I just want to point it out just so for people who may not understand the difference. Um, you, you mentioned an inverter. Right, so we've talked about DC, we've talked about AC. What what's the difference between a converter and what's and an inverter? Like, yeah. what would you use those two for? Well, those are those are both in those are inverses of each other. And if you're going to be camping a lot, certainly full time, uh, at some point you're going to probably want to move to an inverter if you don't already have one in your rig. Um, an inverter just lets you create high voltage, one twenty volt AC power from those twelve volt batteries. It, um, it steps that voltage up and makes it into a sine wave, and then you can run anything you'd run in a house up to the size of your inverter. Mm -hmm. And a converter, to answer your follow-on question, almost does the opposite. It takes 120-volt AC, 
when you're plugged in or running your generator and turns it into 12 volt DC and uses that electricity to recharge your battery and also power all the loads that are on the low voltage side of your RV. And so most people who would be on the road in their RV a lot will have a converter and an inverter mm -hmm. or possibly an inverter that acts as a charger, which is almost the same thing. Right, yeah, you can get a, a, a double duty unit, right? That does converting and inverting. Yeah, just in one box instead of having two pieces. Right. But I think that is important to point out because I think sometimes for new RVers, you know, they get to where they're going and they, they put their landing gear down and they don't understand why their TV won't turn on, right? It's because they don't have an inverter, right? Yeah, and, and so maybe, maybe we should throw out a tip there. So say I'm, say I'm a newbie and I just got this RV and I don't know anything about batteries other than I can change the double A's in my, my television remote control. Um, if I don't have power, um, how do I know if it's the AC system or the DC system? Um, do they look different? Is there some visual way I can tell or are the plugs different? Like, help me out here as a newbie. Well, I think there's a couple ways you can tell. If, you, if something's not functioning, obviously the first place I go to, if I'm plugged into shore power, is I go to my, my circuit breakers uh, and I'll check my fuses, right? So if, if I have a blown fuse, I know it's my battery system. If I have a, a tripped circuit breaker, I know it's my my 110 or my my AC power. Uh, as far as most RVs, most built-in lights are going to be running on 12 volt. Most mm -hmm. I shouldn't say most refrigerators. Unless you have a residential fridge, it's going to be running on 12 volt and propane probably. Okay. Um, but anything that you would see in a normal house, and, and even there you're getting into gray area, right? So I was going to say a TV, a microwave, those type of things are typically going to run on 110, that AC, but there are 12 volt Televisions, right? So sure. it, it is difficult to tell. Okay. All right. So what about types of batteries? What are, what are the, the big ones? Well, there's a lot of different types of batteries. Um, there's some different categories as well. I think the most typical type of battery you're going to see in an RV is called a lead-acid battery. Right. Lead-acid uh, also can be known as deep cycle, marine deep cycle, RV deep cycle. Um, you can get them pretty much anywhere. You can get them at Walmart. Any auto parts store. Yeah, it's basically just a plastic case holding some lead plates and uh, and some acid in between it. Right. And if you go for the deep cycle, there is there is a little bit of a difference there. Um, so cold cranking amps are important for a car because that's when you want to start the car. You need a, a burst of power at the beginning of the that battery so the car can turn itself over. Um, with with a, a deep cycle or RV or a deep cycle marine battery, it may not have the cold cranking amps, but it's going to have the, the amp hours that we talked about earlier. Yeah, and, and I think... Um, the way I've heard it explained is the, the thickness of the plates, the thickness of the lead plates yes. inside is, is just, the thickness varies depending on the type of application you're using it for. Right. That's and, right. And you can, uh, you can find, you know, these lead acid batteries of all the different t styles are marketed at different target audiences. Mm -hmm. But I think um, there's a consensus if you're looking for a, a heavy duty but value-oriented lead-acid battery that's going to give you a lot of energy mm -hmm. for an RV lifestyle. Um, one, of the, uh, one of the best places to look is actually at these golf cart batteries. Yes. Um, I think they typically come in a 6-volt form factor, so mm -hmm. you would buy two mm -hmm. to make 12. But these, these golf cart batteries, um, uh, you know, you can get them at Costco, they're essentially deep cycled. They're designed to be drained pretty low because people drive around in the cart all day and then they charge them up at night. That kind of matches our use case on the road. Right. And, uh, and they're pretty inexpensive uh, per unit amp hour. Um, and so you hear about that one in particular as kind of a standout on the you know, budget, but I'm not going to be throwing this away you know, a few months from now kind of battery. Yeah, and and like like Dustin set up, there are six volt. So you do. There's some special wiring there, right? So when you you can't just run positive to positive and negative to negative because you're still going to have six volts. So in that scenario, real briefly, what what would you do there? That one's an easy one. You just need one wire in between, and you hook you hook your positive to the positive of battery number one, and your negative to the negative of battery two, and then you make a jumper between the, the other plus and minus, and that puts them in line with each other, and voltages add when you do it that way. 
Mm-hmm. So you get 12 volts. That's something you can look up online if you want to see. Yeah, it can be it can be scary, right? When you do that for the first time, when you're first playing with a battery, it can be scary sometimes. Uh, but honestly, it's it shouldn't be that intimidating. I'd recommend having a battery meter, a voltmeter, and use that voltmeter and, and just put it on a single battery and you can see it's six volts. And then put a jumper in, like Ben said, and then measure and see where you get 12 volts. When you have 12 volts, you're successful. Right. And it, and it can be scary because to, to your point, I know, um, I never would have thought putting a positive and a negative battery terminal together would be a good thing, right? Uh, you never want to do that when you're jumping a car, uh, so so it's kind of a scary thing. But all you have to do is go to Google, look up putting barrel batteries in series, and uh, you'll you'll get all the information you need. And I do think your point about a voltmeter, more broadly, is is well taken. Every RVer that's spending time on the road should have a voltmeter. They're not expensive, and going back to the debugging, they're handy tools to have all around around the house to figure out what's going on. Even if you have to call someone for help, if you have a voltmeter in your possession, mm-hmm. uh, you can they can help you a lot better than if you're just licking your fingers and sticking them in wires to see if Yeah, they don't just magically tell you how many volts they have, do they? Know, it's crazy. <laughs> so so carry one of those either way. Um, yep, for sure. So, um, so what's the other big one? Well, there's a type called the gel cell battery. Have we, have we talked about those at all? Nope, we haven't, talk, we haven't mentioned those. So there's many different kinds of gel cell batteries. I'm familiar with like a, an Optima style gel cell battery. They have little tubes in them. And what it is is the, the, the lead plate is kind of wrapped around a, a gel blanket. And the advantage of a gel cell battery is that you can put it on its side in some cases. Um, Popular in boats, I would imagine, yes. where you can't control. Yes. Or for those high-speed RVers who are going to go around the inclined. So there's there's no maintenance on a gel cell battery, um, but they do cost a little bit more. Right. Yeah, but, you see some RVs are delivered with AGM mm-hmm. batteries, which are that basically the same thing, a lower-maintenance lead-acid style battery. So it's like a, is that called a sealed, a sealed lead acid battery or a sealed be, battery? Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. that would be sealed as well. And why would an RVer want a sealed battery versus a, a not a sealed battery? Well, this gets back to one of the, I guess you could say cons or just responsibilities that come with lead acid. If you're going to buy a nice lead acid battery or a bank of batteries, um, you really want to take the steps needed to care for it because they're expensive um, and they'll last a lot longer if you're if you if you do a few simple things to care for them, mm-hmm. so we could talk about some of those if you want to. Yeah, what's the maintenance like on a battery? Geez, the first thing before anything else is you gotta charge these things. Lead acid, you can't draw them down to mm-hmm. low voltages and then just leave them. Um, that's the death knell for lead acid. It doesn't like it. The acid actually starts to eat the metal away inside mm-hmm. the battery and it just becomes a, a Swiss cheese. And you do that long enough and the battery basically fails. So lead acid needs to be charged all the way back up, either with a generator or power pole at a park or in your driveway or possibly with solar. But one way or the other, you gotta charge lead acid and, and, and just and along those same lines, you need to not draw them down below about 50%, like we were saying earlier, mm-hmm. or about roughly 12.0 volts um, or you're kind of getting into that danger zone where uh, where things start to deteriorate quickly that makes sense so it's kind of like a marriage right got to keep it charged up and <laughs> well, i never thought of it that way um let me ask my and, wife about that <laughs> and and to your point and a solar is probably a whole nother episode um, we all have solar on our rigs uh, my solar system is a lot smaller than both dustin and ben's but to Ben's point, my solar is there. It can help me extend my stay when I'm boondocking. But any time that my rig is not going to be connected to power for, for an extended period, that solar is on all the time. And to, just to keep the batteries fully charged. So charging and keeping them charged and always above 50% are the, is the number one thing, I think, for lead acid. Or put the other way, the number one cause of mortality is over-discharge and letting them sit low, and then they, they eat themselves to bits. Yeah. Um, but there's more you need to do to care for a lead acid. Yeah, so it's my understanding, Ben, if, if you're using a battery, it has this water, this liquid in it, 
And right. It's called an to, electrolyte. And you have to <laughs> check that electrolyte. That's right. Yeah, you need to, um, you know, as that battery ages and goes through its cycles, um, the, the pH, the chemistry of that liquid changes. And you don't have to be a chemist to maintain these batteries, but you do need a little bit of equipment um, and you need to commit on a regular interval if you have a normal lead acid battery to just go out, unscrew the little cap, and take a sample of the liquid in there, and you put it in a little measuring tool, and it'll say, oh, it's perfect, or it'll say, I'm a little bit low on water. And if that's the case, you need to add distilled water. Um, pristine water, not the water out of the campground, please. Mm -hmm. Put fresh, <laughs> clean water in there, and you usually just top it off a little bit. Yeah. Uh, measure it one more time, screw the cap on, and you're probably good at least for another few months, if not longer. Now, I know from experience that most people do not actually do that. And that's why they go back to Costco and buy a new set of batteries every six or nine months. But, um, but that's your number two maintenance step. And it's not hard. Uh, again, look it up on YouTube. You can, I mean, it's easy to do, but uh, it's just, you know, one of the many things. Yeah, that, I can know, vouch for that. It's, for. it's not that uh, complicated. It, it may seem scary the first time you do it because you're opening a battery, uh, but it's really not that complicated. Just they have little valves. You just open them up. It's a twist screw cap in many cases, and then add some distilled battery which I buy. Distilled water? Distilled water, yes. Uh, <laughs> I buy from Walmart uh, for 99 cents for a gallon, and yep. I, I add it, and it's very easy. Most people never notice it, but when, when you go back and just look at the gallons of water, you're gonna have your purified water or your different types, but one of them is gonna say distilled water, and that's what you're looking for for your batteries. Now, I know we, we've talked about these other sealed types, which are quote-unquote maintenance-free. Mm -hmm. you, you they don't lose water, and so you don't have to do that check, which is kind of nice. Do you guys have the sealed style, or do you have the open style where you would top them off? Mine are open. I have to add water to mine okay. on, a, on a schedule. And what about so you, So mine actually I have to keep separate because the three that I did get mm -hmm. um, are sealed. So they I do not add water to, but the two that um, I added originally when I first purchased the rig uh, do require water. Okay, so be honest with me, both of you. When did you last go check the, your, uh, your water and top them off? I can actually honestly say that I checked mine about three months ago when I pulled. I had parked mine for about a month um, over the winter time, and when I came back to it, the first thing I did was check my batteries. Okay, you get a yeah. B plus. That's pretty good, <laughs> Dustin. Well, um, I looked the other day, but I haven't added water in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, my batteries have a very large reservoir, so uh, I have uh, three to six months before I need to add water. So that saves me. But you're right. I should have. I should be more on top of it. It's a good point. The harder you push these batteries too, the more often you should check. And mm -hmm. and it's it's not hard to do. But those are your two big items. Keep keep the volt. Keep them charged. Don't let them discharge below fifty percent. And top off the water on a regular basis. And you're going to be good to go for five hundred or more charge cycles. Mm -hmm. Up up and down. Up and down. And that's that's several years of use for a full time everyday user, and maybe even a little longer if you're if you're lucky. Sounds like that's going to outlast most RVs then. It's <laughs> <laughs> another podcast. <laughs> so let's say I have a little extra money and I don't want to worry about putting water in my batteries. Mm -hmm. I don't want to think about gel. What can I do? Well, I think you only have one option there. It's lithiums. Lithiums. Yes. The future. Here yes. today. Yeah, lithium chemistry is, I mean, we all hear about this all the time. It's, you know, it was invented, gosh, 20 years ago now. Um, but lithium batteries are in all of our phones, our devices, our laptops. Um, they run a lot of electric cars now. Um, present everywhere and generally, in, in, in almost every case except cost, they're superior to the lead acid approach. Um, for a variety of reasons. Um, do you want to talk about some of those? Yeah, let's do like a pro-cons here. Like what are the advantages of a lithium battery over a lead acid or a deep cycle battery? All right. So, um, so number one, I don't have to add water to my lithium no battery. No water. Maintenance uh, Less maintenance, that's right. good. For me, uh, it's weight. Mm -hmm. So lithiums are significantly lighter than a deep cycle battery. Well, and to put to make that crystal clear, 
Um, you, if you were to go buy a lithium battery, I, I would say off the shelf, but that's hard to do. You generally have to mail order them still because mm -hmm. they're kind of specialized. The actual battery box you buy can be the same size and shape as your old lead acid, mm -hmm. and it'll be heavy. It's not like it's made of air. It's not styrofoam in there. But per amount of energy, mm -hmm. they're much lighter. So in the same size battery with about the same weight as the old lead battery, you would get something like between six and ten times wow. the energy. It's like having six or ten batteries in the space of one, which is, uh, I mean, it's a game changer, right? Yeah, that's phenomenal. So it makes me want to go out and buy one drop-in lithium battery um, instead of six. Right. So, so yes, I, I would agree with you there. And, but let's talk about probably the biggest con to lithium batteries. How much is that one battery going to cost you? Yeah, they are pricey. I mean, I, I don't... Somewhere in the neighborhood for a, for a typical 12-volt drop-in lithium battery, I mean, I've seen price between 600 and and $1,000 mm -hmm. would be about right today yeah, um, right. here in 2020. Yeah, big range. Right. And then about lines up, right? So if you're going to buy six or 10 um, typical RV, you know, yeah. lead-acid batteries, you're going to spend about, about 100 bucks a piece, right? Sure. So you're looking at the same thing just with the, the lithium you're going to get a heck of a lot more power for the weight in the space. I think lithium really starts to make sense when you are committing to the lifestyle in a substantial way. Um, as soon as you're going to move to anything where you're going to use an inverter to power some residential-style loads, mm -hmm. um, a fridge, um, if you're going to run some big computers, if you want to run... I don't know, hair dryers. I don't have hair, so I don't need that. But um, I mean, None of us do, actually. Well, <laughs> you know, those big loads, the kinds of creature comfort you'd have in a sticks and bricks home, um, that is really where you start to see the lithium uh, start to kind of close the gap and make more sense on a, you know, on a, on a cost value basis. Mm -hmm. um, but also, lithium has some other advantages. Um, they don't care very much about how charged or discharged they are. So unlike lead, where you need to charge it up all the time, don't let it get too low, lithium are actually cool as a cucumber even if you draw them down almost to zero. They'll happily sit there. Now they hate being discharged all the way down to zero, and that's, the, that's one of the challenges with, with lithium is they're sensitive to extremes, but most of those batteries have a computer inside nowadays that protects, protects them from a mistake. But you can charge them up, you can let them go halfway, you can wait till tomorrow to plug in, you can run your generator tomorrow if you want to. Whatever you want to do, they just don't really care that much. Okay. And in, in contrast to lead acid, they are a much more hands-off, um, you, know, you just don't have to think about them all the time. And I think that's really freeing if you're going to use these energy storage devices you know, every day as part of your RV life. So would you say it's pretty dummy-proof if I was a new RVer, I have a new RV, and uh, maybe I have an extra $800 in my pocket, would you recommend a lithium battery or eight deep cycle batteries? That's a good question. I mean, uh, if you are seriously considering eight batteries, I don't think you have a choice. I think you go lithium if you need that much energy. The problem is the smallest lithiums you can buy are that price. So if you just want even less, you're kind of, you're still gonna be in lead acid land, which is fine, mm -hmm. um, but it's a pretty natural upgrade. I'll be honest with you, I don't see too many full-time RVers mm -hmm. who don't have at least two of those lith those lithium batteries. And mm -hmm. I think it's because they're kind of like uh, candy, you know, or potato chips. <laughs> like, you just can't, you get one and you see the benefit and then you say, well, uh, you know, we need to go ahead and we need to buy two. And, and frankly, on a lot of bases, it makes sense to have at least two. I mean, then if one has an issue or, you know, you have a problem with it, you can keep running your rig. They're not the kind of thing you can just roll into a Walmart and pick off the shelf, uh, at least not yet. So mm -hmm. um, you see you see people, uh, they're an investment for the long haul. And mm -hmm. that's one of the other advantages that I think is really important to call out. You get 500 cycles in a well-cared-for lead-acid battery. Mm -hmm. But in a typical lithium RV battery... Um, you're looking at at least 2,000 full charge cycles wow. and maybe even 3,000 or 4,000. It takes so long to accumulate that many cycles that even the manufacturers only kind of approximate how long they're going to live because we don't even know if they're well cared for how and, long they and can And that's last. a big number, so let me break that down a little further. 
So if I take my RV out to the desert and I boondock for 10 days, that's 10 charge cycles, right? Yeah, maybe 10, 10 cycles. I mean, mm-hmm. most people don't cycle more than once a day. Right. Um, I will tell you that on our rig full time, we spend about half the time in RV parks and half the time boondocking. Okay. Um, and we, uh, we accumulate about, we did about 170 cycles in the last year. Wow. So okay. just about every other day on average is what we is the number of cycles. And so if we had a 2000 cycle battery, I mean, what's that? Four, 13, 14 years. I mean, I'll be dead by then. So, um, <laughs> so on a long-term value basis, I also think, um, the case is pretty compelling. If you can make it past that initial lump cost upfront cost, um, it really starts to pay off in the long run. Okay. Now, so I'm understanding that lithium has been around a while, but I was on Facebook and I saw a picture of a battery that burned up. So is a battery that I'm going to buy for an RV, is it safe? Is a lithium battery that I'm going to buy for an RV, is it safe? That's a really important question. I'm glad you brought that up. We've all seen the like Teslas that somebody drove into a wall and then they turn into a torch and they melt the, you know, melt down the building or whatever. Um, There are actually two different lithium chemistries and they are pretty different from each other. Um, one of them is called lithium iron phosphate, and the other is all the other batteries. And almost all your... Can you give me an example of like every, something else? Nickel cobalt manganese, okay. nickel cobalt oxide, a bunch of chemistries that have a bunch of you know, those letters on the periodic table that we forgot after high school. Um, usually there's the word cobalt in there, and that's a good sign. Okay. Um, all those chemistries are the ones used in the electric vehicles and also in our phones and laptops. Mm -hmm. And they have the highest energy density. They're the lightest. Um, They're actually a little less expensive. Um, But if they get overcharged, um, they can basically form a short inside themselves and set themselves on fire. And then they make their own oxygen as they burn up. You you had me at fire. Well, fire's one thing, (laughs) but even if you can bring your fire extinguisher over, you can't put those batteries out because they make their own oxygen while they burn, so they don't care about your silly fire extinguisher. <laughs> and they turn into a blowtorch, and they're, they're extremely unsafe if you, were, if you were around one and could not get away. And so in cars, uh, they design them if they do catch on fire. Well, first of all, you probably were just driving the car. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you're conscious, and you get out of the car and you run away. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit different if you're sleeping in the front of your fifth wheel mm. and in the back a blowtorch starts and yeah. you don't find out about it for another 10 minutes. Well, you only have 20 seconds, right? Yeah. So, but, but in contrast, this lithium iron chemistry is extremely safe. Um, it doesn't have that type of reaction. I mean, batteries are dangerous. Um, you short a battery, have a problem with a wire, that's how... That's how things catch on fire. I mean, that risk is there no matter what your battery type is. But lithium iron batteries are sort of a specialized battery that mostly is used in RVs, some home energy storage. Um, on boats, you typically will see lithium iron batteries. Okay. And all the ones that you would go and buy that other RVers would be using, like a Battleborn oh, yeah. or uh, what other? Um, like Relyon? Yeah, Relyon. I think Trojan's making one now. Anyway, those are all going to say lithium iron or LIFE phosphate, and they're very safe, uh, probably safer than lead acid. Um, so uh, that distinction is important uh, when you think about storing energy in your RV where you're going to be living. You might have pets. It may be unattended. You may have children. Um, Important questions. I'm glad you yeah. brought that up. And I'd like to just kind of point that out one more time. So, so if I'm going to the store, or I can't go to the store yet to buy a, a lithium, but if I'm going to go order one online, I'm going to go order a Battleborn or a Relyon or, or the, any of the other choices, I want to avoid the ones that say cobalt. Yeah, they're not going to say cobalt, but you're, you're not going to be able to buy it. I mean, these are the batteries that are used in drones. Um, you might find a, somebody pulled a battery out of a Tesla and put it in their RV. I mean, people do crazy science projects. Mm-hmm. But the commercially available mobile energy lithium packs, I, I don't think I've seen one that is, there's one with one exception that I don't think they really sell anymore. You basically are gonna be getting the lithium iron. But you can ask, just say, hey, is this a lithium iron phosphate battery? And you'll probably see that all over the marketing copy anyway, because okay. they want it to be safe, you know, just like we do. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess one big question that all RVers it, want to know. It's the question that the every question. new RVer <laughs> asks, Todd. It's not it, a question. It's the only question. It's the question. Can I run my air conditioning on my batteries? <laughs> how small is your air conditioner or how big is your battery pack you can air conditioners almost all rv air conditioners run on 120 volt ac they're high voltage devices um they you if they had a plug you could plug them into a wall outlet mm-hmm. um they are wired into your high voltage side and the only way to turn a dc low voltage battery into AC high voltage is via that inverter we talked about. Mm-hmm. So you need an inverter that has enough headroom to run one of those big air conditioners. They typically need 1500 watts to run constantly, but they need maybe two or three times that for a brief moment when they start up because that big fan and motor are not running for until they're running. Um, just like me trying to get out of bed and go for a bike ride, I need an extra boost to get motivated. Okay. That's usually Dustin, who comes yeah. over and says, hey, we need to go for a ride. And I finally go, all right. Well, the, the air conditioners are the same way. So what do you need? You need a big inverter, probably at least 3,000 watts, um, but 2,000 minimum. And you need a big battery. Because even if you have the inverter, if you have a small battery, you, you're going to be able to run the air conditioner for 20 minutes and then mm-hmm. the battery's going to be dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only way that really makes any sense is if you're investing in a large battery pack, which, uh, you know, that is going to be more and more the case. Uh, we're going to see lithium come way down in price. Um, we're already getting indications that that's the case from the raw cell manufacturing, which is mostly in Asia. Um, mm-hmm. But we're starting to see those prices drop. Um, the batteries are getting lighter still um, every year. Um, it, it, it is not inconceivable that a few years from now it could be very typical to have an option on most rigs of any size to order a lithium kit that gives enough energy to maybe run one air conditioner in the heat of the afternoon just to take the edge off. Um, and then you recharge or you know charge off the pole the next day or you charge off a big solar bank or whatever. So the answer is absolutely possible. Um, it's just a question of, you know, does is it something that economically makes sense? For you and your family. So let me ask you a very direct question. Sure. So if I was to buy a new RV and I bought, say, two Battleborn or rely on lithium batteries and a 3,000 watt inverter, could I run my roof air for an hour or so to take the edge off in, in, the, in the summertime? Yeah, so if you had two um, Battleborn batteries, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're somewhere in the eight $900 range, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. Each of them is 100 amp hours at 12 volts. So you've got 200 amp hours total at 12 volts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's 2,400 watt hours if you do the multiply by 12. Mm-hmm. Um, air conditioners use 1,500 watts. Okay. So you, you divide 2,400 by 1,500, and that's, what, one and a half? Mm-hmm. So in theory, with nothing else running, and if the battery is all the way charged and you're willing to take it all the way to zero, you could run that air conditioner for an hour, an hour and a half. Okay. Um, I, I think in practice, that's cutting it real close. Um, I think you might get 10 or 20 minutes. I think with a small inverter, it's going to have other loads. Mm-hmm. It's not the only thing in your rig that's powered on. Somebody might want to run the water pump or, you know, your, your I don't know, your heater may spin up a fan. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not, it, it's, it's theoretically possible if you wired it up. But I think, I think people that are looking to run ACs, are typically going to have more like a bank of four or five or six or even eight of those. Okay. Um, and they're going to have a large installation. Okay. Um, and then it start. Then you can start to think about. Okay, I'm going to run some big heavy equipment on these batteries. And even then, um, let's be honest. At some point, you got to hit a power pole or fire up a generator. Sure. Um, so that's uh, or add a lot of solar, which we you know we could talk about that in another episode one day. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's possible. Mm-hmm. So, I guess can, maybe to kind of... Wait, wait. Can, can you run an air conditioner on your system? <laughs> Actually, it's funny. Um, here at this campground, there is no electricity yet. Um, it's about to be installed, apparently. But we're kind of boondocking out here. And we've got a group of families. And um, our system is designed to run... We actually... So, we, our, our RV is very 
big and it's very thermally inefficient. So it gets hot, it's black, it heats up in the sun, mm -hmm. um, and it's designed to stay cool in any condition. So we have four of those roof air conditioners, wow. which is ludicrous, I know. But that's how many it takes if it's really hot in Nevada in the middle of the summer on the asphalt. Yeah. Um, so we actually have enough capability, capacity to run all of those air conditioners at once. And again, that many more if we really needed to. Wow. So we have uh, a 50 amp outlet on our rig into which another rig can plug into and also take power, also being inverted. But I mean, that's, you know, that doesn't come on every RV. That's sort of a just a, <laughs> yeah. I just decided it was going to be my hobby to goof off. So we, we're actually powering four rigs tonight while we're doing this podcast. You're welcome. Uh, for the electricity, for this audio. Thank, thank you very much, Ben. I, I am conveniently parked next to Ben and using all of his power for my air conditioner as well. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I'll send you the bill later. <laughs> so um, maybe to kind of wrap this up, let's, let's talk really quickly about maybe your recommendations. Um, and I think it's hard to say this is what we recommend for, for a new RVer. Um, I think it all comes down to your preference of, of travel, your style. Um, if you're going to be going from park to park and uh, you're going to be plugged in um, most of the time, you're probably fine with one or two regular deep cycle. Yeah, yeah and you're going to spend 200 bucks, right? Right. One's going to probably come with your rig and you may add a, a second one uh, just to have a little extra juice on there. Um, you know, and then and it scales up from there. And if you decide that you want to start boondocking more, you want to spend more time in more remote locations, not connected to a power supply, that's when you can start getting a little crazy and... And, and one day maybe get it close to what Ben has. Yeah. Now, you know, the other question that comes up is it, there's so many components, like there's batteries and then you talk about solar systems. Where should I spend my money? Should I spend it on batteries first or should I send it on solar first or what should I do? You know, I, I'll, give an, a, I'll give my opinion. Um, one thing I've seen a lot is um, people are struggling limping along with um, a battery that's dying, a lead acid battery, maybe the one that came with their rig or the first replacement, and they haven't followed our simple rules, which are charge it all the time to full, mm -hmm. don't discharge it below 50%, mm -hmm. and check the water and top it off as needed. Um, almost nobody actually does all those things very well when they're starting, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But when they have batteries that are on the brink, um, the performance falls off quickly and they start to struggle yeah. and they run the generator more and they and things just don't work very well. So I would say um, I, a lot of times when people come you know into a, into a Facebook group or whatever and ask questions, mm. um, that's one, uh, one, one category of user. I think those folks need to commit to a nice quality deep cycle oriented battery or pair of golf cart batteries or whatever mm -hmm. and then sign up and learn you know sign up psychologically for the commitment to take care of those batteries and that's going to be a world of a difference so okay. so my first recommendation would be if you're in that if you're feeling like you're not comfortable with that battery uh, read up a little bit maybe look at some golf cart batteries watch a video buy a voltmeter and, uh, and maybe look at that as a first-level investment, and that's not expensive, like you said. Mm -hmm. um, that's where I would start if I'm kind of down there f having frustration with my battery. Okay. And, and my recommendation is, is pretty on par, but a little different. So um, rather than spending money on battery right away, I would recommend... So, Ben, you said your, your first or second thing said to charge your battery all the way. Don't bring it below 50%. Right. But I just bought a new RV and it has three LEDs. One that says full, one that says medium, and one that says low. Oh yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> Jeez. So my recommendation is buy a battery meter, an accurate battery meter that's gonna actually show you zero to 100%, or at least 10 LEDs, or some indication, even a number, uh, a voltage or a percentage of charge. Um, I think the goal should be to learn uh, the status of your batteries. And then when you improve and you add another golf cart battery or, or, or even a lithium battery, you can see that, that gain that you're getting. So um, I would focus on maybe education um, before you even buy a battery. Yep, I think that's a great point. Uh, you do need to do a little research and, and figure out what's best for you. Um, there are some, some fairly cheap solar options as well. So if you're gonna have a, maybe a, a, a deep cycle or a couple of six volt batteries, um, it's very easy to put a 
put a single panel up on your on your roof and, and keep it charged when you're when you're not on on a regular hookup mm-hmm. but uh so I think we've covered quite a bit during this episode um I feel smarter now I do as well uh I feel electrically charged after sitting next to Ben for yeah, so long. Yeah, and thank you for joining us today, Ben. It's been great. I've been a longtime listener. I've just been in awe, kind of driving around <laughs> the North American continent and listening to you guys and, and your guests. Um, it's, a, it's a great podcast. It's, I mean, it is me, so it's kind of, I'm just sort of overwhelmed sitting here, <laughs> although I do need to get back and figure out how I'm going to recharge my batteries after, <laughs> after all this. Power. My RV is very cool now. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> So, so maybe we can we can give you a, a maybe an autographed T-shirt for for being on the podcast and a sticker too. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are so sweet. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a, a great episode about batteries. Um, but uh, before we end here, once again, thanks to our sponsors, uh, bestrvforme.com. Uh, check it out. There is a, a new website. Uh, there's going to be uh, quite a bit of good information coming up on there. Uh, and right now you can sign up for some beta access or get a head start on advertising with them. So best RV for me, B-E-S-T-R-V-F-O-R-M-E.com. And if you're a full-time RVer like uh, myself, you should check out fulltimerbasecamps.com which is a, a, a collection of base camps or small little campgrounds to hang out at for uh, full-time RVers. And that's full-timer, our, fulltimerbasecamps.com. Excellent. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode and maybe you've learned a thing or two about batteries. I know I learned uh, a thing or two or three or four about batteries. As so. did I. We should get more experts on uh, like this. Ben was uh, incredible. Yeah, absolutely was. And, and if you're a full-timer and maybe you're an expert in in your field or your area and you're interested in being on the podcast, uh, certainly reach out. You can get us on uh, any of the regular social media platforms. You can also reach out to Dustin and I directly. I am at Todd at RVingDads.com. And Dustin at RVingDads.com. So we'd love to hear from you. So anyway, thanks again for listening. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this podcast and you found some value in it, if only for entertainment.